Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope that you enjoy this encouraging message. For more information on our church family, visit freechapel.org forward slash OC. Nehemiah, we're looking at, we've been looking at a story of Nehemiah and Nehemiah being the person that rebuilt the walls. I want to jump to it real quick because for sake of time, but we were talking last week about the foundation that, that preceded what Nehemiah would do in rebuilding the walls. We talked about um, a foundation um, that is built upon um, a life that first is, remember, is broken, a life where we said, God, I want to break every day. And then the second thing was um, a life that wants to carry a burden for the kingdom of God. Um, and we said, God, give me my burden back. And then the third thing we talked about was somebody that is bold, not bold in who they are, but bold in knowing who their God is and the fact that God is with them. But I think the second most important thing when it comes to building, and, and I'm gonna show you in, 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 the, in the story that it lines up with the scripture the second most important thing, I think, when it comes to what you build on is actually what you build with. Um, that it's one thing to have the heart and dream and desire that I'm going to see this breakthrough or I'm going to walk in this or I'm going to do this for God and I want to build this kingdom and all of those things. But the same way as it is in the natural, it's also in the spirit. You can have big dreams and desires to, to build something in the natural, um, but how many know that, that, that it makes a big difference, not just what you build, but what you build with. Um, and I borrowed um, some little props from my son, who's very upset with me for taking it. Um, he has a, uh, he's got his hammer. We, oh, I bought this for him a while back. It was one of those presents that I quickly regretted getting him. You know why? That's what I had to hear all day. So I took it. <laughs> and I told him that we lost it. <laughs> Shut up. Don't tell me you haven't done that with your children. But it's a, it's a, it's a silly um, thought to think that if I was here playing with my plastic saw and my little hammer and my little wrench, it would be ridiculous if you were to come up to me and say, what are you doing? And I would say, oh, I'm going to build a, uh, I'm going to build a house. You're like, okay, all the best with that. Because the, the vision to build a house or the vision to build something of substance far outweighs what I'm working with, doesn't it? This, what I'm, as, as passionate as I might be about seeing certain things happen in my life, I can limit what I'm going to do because of what I'm working with. And, and I think for us, when it comes to our life and, and what God 
has called us to build when it comes to building the kingdom in every area of our life, I actually think more often than not, the reason why people fall short in living in the fullness of what God has called them to do and what God has called them to build is not so much because of the attacks that come from the enemy, but I think it's because of the lack of preparation that happens in God's people in regard to what we are working with. So my little sermon is really gonna start with the question, and this is my sermon title, if you like. It's real simple. It's just, what are you working with? What are you working with? Because it's, it's not enough for me to just get excited about what I wanna build. I've got to get strategic about what I want to build with. And Nehemiah did this. Nehemiah, when he came to the king, remember we talked about the foundation. Once Nehemiah is broken and once Nehemiah gets a burden, once Nehemiah gets bold, he comes before the king. And he stands before the king and he, he says to the king, the king says, What's, what are you so upset for? And Nehemiah says, tells him, you know, my people are messed up. They're a mess. It's, the walls are down. And the king says, well, what do you want to do? The first thing that Nehemiah does, and we see him work through a list of what, he's, what he recognises he needs to work with. The first thing that I want us to write down is I want you to write down a couple words. The first point that I want to give you, and I want to unpack it, with two little sub, sub points, if you like. But the first point I want to write down, and it's something that I've talked about a lot, and I talk about a lot in preaching because I think it's really important, but I want to talk about it in a different light, is I want you to write down the word perspective. And the word perspective under it, I want two little sub points because I want to show you in the verse two perspectives that Nehemiah was working with that helped establish what he was called to build. And the first perspective is found in this verse when Nehemiah, the first thing Nehemiah asks for from the king, understand Nehemiah is talking to the king. He, has, he can ask for anything. King says, king says, what do you want, bro? The first thing Nehemiah says, and put the verse on the screen, Nehemiah says, he says, I need you to send me. The first perspective that we have to understand, we need to have a correct, in order to what we're working with to be efficient and effective and what God has called us to do is, I have to have a right perspective of my role. My role. We talk so much about the Kingdom of God. It's a churchy term that we use. The Kingdom of God is God's, we talk about it almost like it's a, um, a result sometimes that we want. You know, we, 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 I think more often than not, sometimes if we're to be honest, our frustrations lie sometimes when we just want, do you ever just want God to do it? Do you know what I mean? Don't nod because the person next to you will know how unspiritual you are. So, <laughs> Sometimes, listen, 
Sometimes I just want God to just, yeah, you know. And I bet, I bet if you were really honest and we dug through the churchy religious self and we got down to the real root of the issue, I think, I think the inside of you, there would be this cry to just say, God, would you just hurry up and just do it? It can't be that hard. You, you spoke the oceans into existence. Help. Do you know what I mean? It feels to me, listen, go with me. I know, I know, you know, maybe it'll make you not want to come next week. Jensen's preaching next week, okay? So, so come next week and you'll get a preacher that's full of faith and is going to crush it. But this week you're stuck with me, okay? Because sometimes my frustration lies in knowing God and what He's able to do and, and what it looks like He's not doing. Like sometimes I feel like saying, God, well, I've got to be honest, sometimes I don't feel like saying, sometimes I say it to Him. It's the relationship that we have, we're working on it. But sometimes I say to God, be like, hey, you know, where are you at? Because we have, we have reduced the kingdom of God to being a result. And we think God's kingdom, God's kingdom. That means breakthrough. Yes, it does mean breakthrough. Yes, it does mean healing. Yes, it does mean restoration. Yes, it does mean blessing. These are all results, but it's more than that. The kingdom of God is, is it's not, a result, it's, it's more like the way in which something operates. It's a system. It's a, it's a process. It's, that's why when Jesus described the kingdom of God and he used parables to do it, he would change it up. He would say the kingdom of God is like a woman that sows yeast into bread. And she goes away and comes back and sees the yeast rise. Then, rise. then he says the kingdom of God is also like a man that goes and sows a seed in the ground. He goes back. He's describing the kingdom of God like a system. And the thing that we have to understand about God's system is God's system involves a process and the process involves God's people. So one of the things that we have to understand that we have to work with is a perspective of our role in what God wants to establish. Let me tell you something. Nobody is responsible for your breakthrough except you. Okay, and some of us, we are very quick to blame everybody else and every other exterior circumstance that's happened in our life as to why we are not where we feel like God has called us to be. But we have to understand that we are responsible for our own breakthroughs and our own walk with God. Nehemiah understood this. Nehemiah said to the king, the first thing I want you to do, send me. Activate me. One of the most challenging things as a pastor and, and, and in ministry when it comes to working with people is when I feel like I want somebody else's breakthrough more than they do. And, and I see it in people and people come up to me and people say, hey, can you pray for me? And they say it almost like they think that we have some secret fairy dust. And I'll be like, yes, keep still, twinkle, twinkle. 
Now I'm all for praying for people and I believe in that and I think it's amazing. But what happens is I'll pray for people and then I'll say things like, hey, listen, are you a part of a small group? Because I want to pray for you, but I want you to get in a small group. And then I want you to go and sign up for next steps and I want you to learn God's Word, line upon line. And, and then what happens is I watch their face just get all of a sudden very discouraged. Because really, they don't want it. And often the reason why we're not walking in it is because we don't want it bad enough. We work harder in the gym than we do when it comes to our walk with God. And we understand that, we understand that. And we think, you know, it would be like going to the gym. You know, you show up at your little LA, wherever you go, and, and you go in there and, and you say, okay, I'm out of shape, I wanna get in shape. And I'm gonna go in and go, do the thing. Okay. And you look in the mirror and you're like, oh, nothing's changed. Ah, oh, forget this gym, I'm going somewhere. I don't know why I'm doing it in this voice. Why am I? I mean, dear Lord, where did that come from? I don't know what just happened then, but just, <laughs> and these actions, what am I doing? Listen, please, please, we'll cut that out of the, the stream. Listen, but it's, it would be ridiculous. You go to a gym, you do once, you walk with, oh, forget this gym, I'm going to a new gym. You go to a new gym, we're like, okay, now I do work, look in the mirror, oh, it didn't work, we go to a new, but that's what we, and that's how we operate when it comes to our walk with God. We go from this church to this church to this church to this church, and we wonder why I'm not growing, I'm not growing, because you never stay still enough to be planted. And the Bible says that those that are planted in the house will flourish. But people don't want to do that. We don't want to do that. Because often we are, we are underestimating our role. What are you working with? What are you working with? Are you working with a perspective of understanding who you are in God? The second thing that Nehemiah said is he said to the king, the second point under perspective is he said to the king, I need you to write me some letters. These were letters of authority. I need you to, to give me the authority because I can't go in my own strength. I need, I need some authority upon my life. He understands you've got to get a perspective of your role and then you've got to get a perspective of your rights. Now I've talked about this before in, in, in a negative sense, in the sense that we don't have rights. When we get saved, we surrender our rights and we sacrifice our life and that's true. But on the flip side, we have to understand that through the blood of Jesus Christ, you actually have all authority. That's Jesus said, all authority is given unto me. Therefore, you go. So you, there are some rights that you have. The enemy doesn't, listen, when you get saved and you surrender your life to Jesus, okay, you belong now to Jesus, okay? The enemy has no right in your life if you belong to Jesus because you belong to Jesus. You don't belong to the enemy, which means the enemy doesn't have any right. You have the right to actually pray yourself and declare the name of Jesus yourself and say, I'm not gonna, I, don't, I have some, listen, I have some rights. I have some, there is some power upon my life because of Jesus that lives within me. 
And for too long, the church, we have created this bottleneck in the church and in the kingdom of God where the only power comes from the pastor or from the preacher or from whoever's in town next that looks like they're more spiritual than everybody else and has bottlenecked God's power when you have to understand the same Jesus that's in our senior pastor, the same Jesus that's in that person that you think is so spiritual also lives in you. You have some rights. Listen to me, when you pray, things happen. When you pray, things happen. You've got to start believing it. You've got to start declaring it over your life. You've got to get a perspective on, hang on a second, I've got some rights. The devil doesn't have a right in my life. He doesn't have a right. He's trespassing. That's trespassing. Someone listen, if someone shows up and just walks in your house, right? Imagine that. So you, somebody, if I come downstairs and somebody's standing in my kitchen, I'm going, get the hell out of my house. What are you doing? <laughs> Not hell, heck, yeah. But you get it. I mean, sometimes I say it because it's almost like literally, that's what you've got to do. You've got to say, get the hell out of my mind. It's the enemy that comes in your mind. It's the enemy that gets in your finances. It's the enemy that gets in your heart and creates anxiety and creates doubt. You've got to say, you know what? Get the hell out of my life. I don't need that in my life anymore. You have the right through Jesus. It's simple, but this is what you've got to start working with. You've got to start working with a perspective of your role and your right. This was what gave Nehemiah some strength. When the enemy came to Nehemiah, there was this moment in Nehemiah where the enemy said, it's in Nehemiah, where is it? Chapter two and verse 20. One of the things when Nehemiah came, they came to Nehemiah and they started to talk to him, pull him down, attack him, stop the work that he's doing. Nehemiah 20, Nehemiah 2 and verse 20. So I answered them and I said to them, the God of heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore, we are his servants, we arise and build and you have no heritage or right or memorial in Jerusalem. This is what he said. He's not, he, he, he understood who he was. And he said, you don't have, what are you doing here? Get out. It's not, listen, it's not rocket science. We think that there's a thing. We think there's got to be more to it. No, it's not. It's just belief by faith. Get out. I'm, I'm, I'm done with this. I'm done. Get out. Get out. You don't have a right anymore. You don't have, you, 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 you don't have a right to torment my mind and my thinking anymore. I have people message me all the time. Hey, I'm going through, you know, this. I'm experiencing this, this um, torment in my mind, experiencing this torment in my mind as I sleep. I can't, and, and I was reading, a, somebody messaged me this week that stirred my heart to, to, to talk today about this, this greater understanding of who you are in Jesus. And yes, people can pray. And yes, it's good to gather people of faith around you. But the reality is, and the truth is, that you know, people are not, sometimes you're by yourself. But remember, you can be bold because God is with you. And you can take authority to say, if you're the head of your home, if, if, if you're the, the husband, you're the father of that home and, and you're a married couple and you got kids, father's the head of the home. 
The dad's the head of the home. It's not a control thing. It's not a, it's whatever. It's a Bible thing, okay? He's the head of the home. He has the authority. If you're a single parent, you have the authority. So it's real simple. The authority, you say, you know what? I have authority over this home. And I cover this house with the blood of Jesus. And I declare that no weapon formed against this house and every single person in it that's under my covering, no weapon formed will prosper. And I put the blood of Jesus against every attack of the enemy, against all confusion, where the enemy would try and come in. I declare the peace of God that surpasses all understanding over this home right now. Doesn't have to be a hyped up thing. Doesn't have to be, you don't have to shake, rattle and roll always. If you want to and that's your style, go for it. Do all the shaking, rolling, rattling you want to do. I don't care. But I'm saying you don't have to for it to be more powerful. You've just got to believe in Scripture and declare God's Word. You know what? Devil, your day is done. I have the right and I've put up with you for long enough and your time in my life in my home, in my business, in my finances, is done. I have rights. I have rights. The second word that I want you to write down. Nehemiah, as he's, as he's doing this, he's in this conversation and, and, and he's, he's with the king and he's in this conversation. The second thing that he asks for, and I want you to, I want you to listen to this one. He asks, he says, King, I need you to uh, make preparation, if you like. It was again, write letters, because I need timber. If you read the story, it says in, in the verse that he wants um, timber. I need, I need some wood, new wood. We're going to go to the forest. We're going to cut trees down and we're going uh, to use the timber. And in the story, we know the story. Remember, we talked about how Nehemiah built with, with the broken, the burnt down gates, the Bible says that it signified the, God's ability to take the brokenness of our past and use the brokenness of our past to build a great future. That's what God does. And, and it's a great message in this story that Nehemiah built this wall and established God's kingdom using the burnt, broke down gates and the, and the situations that, that were that were not good to remember and the losses they had, he still, he still rebuilt with those. But here we see Nehemiah saying, okay, I'm gonna rebuild with, with the old stuff, but I need some new stuff as well. In, in, order for, in order for God to establish His kingdom in my life, I recognise that he's gonna use my past and the brokenness of my past. But I also recognise that there are some new things that I've gotta put in place in order to move from my past into the future that God has for me. The second thing I want you to write down is that you have to need to work with is patterns, new patterns. Patterns is, is the way you do something. What are you working with? Are you working with patterns in your life right now that can facilitate where God has called you to go? Okay, it's, it's, it's about making preparation right now, not where you are now, but where He's called you to be. A, a business person would say it like this, is this scalable? Is this, is the way I'm doing things right now able to facilitate what God has called me to do later? Or are there some new, some new things 
that I need to put in place. Patterns, the, the, the way you're doing things right now, these are maybe as behavioural patterns that have got to change. Maybe they're bad things, I don't know. Maybe it's patterns of sin, maybe it's patterns of addiction that, that have to change. They're stopping you. Listen, it's not the enemy. You're stopping yourself because you're hanging on to wrong patterns. And what happens is if we don't establish new patterns in our life, we may repeat the brokenness of the past. There's patterns, there's, there's mindsets. You know, I meet you know, people and young people and, and you know, they go from one relationship to the next. You know, girls that will end up with, why is my heart broken again? Why is my heart broken? I think a better question is, why do you keep picking idiots to date? What? That's, 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 what's, what, what is the mindset shift that has to happen? Why are, you, why are you settling for some moron that has no idea of really who you are as a person to value you for who you are and you let him keep breaking your heart? Quit the cycle. Quit the cycle. People, that there's patterns. You want, we're believing that God is gonna bless your finances. How are you managing your finances right now? Right now. And it's hard in Orange County because we love nice stuff. And we'll get the credit card to spend money that we don't have on things we don't need to impress people we don't know. And then we do it again, and then we do it again, and we do it, it's a pattern. It's a pattern, and let me tell you something, listen, this, this is the stuff, if that's what you're doing, then that's what you're working with. And it's not, we're so quick to blame the enemy saying he's attacking my finances. Don't give him credit for stuff that he's not doing. <laughs> he's not attacking your finances half the time. Our patterns are just so screwed up. We limit the blessing that God wants to pour out on our finances because of what we're working with. And listen, let me tell you something about this. This little ranch right here, it looks like a ranch, doesn't it? Huh? It's shaped like a ranch. You know what? I've actually even used this. I've been at home and I was trying to, I needed to fix a, 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 um, a nut on, on my son's bike and, and I couldn't find the tools or they were in the garage, my actual tools. But this was handy because sometimes it's easier to settle for easy that won't carry the weight to get the job done. But for the moment, it, I could, listen, I say this, I can make it work on some things, and I did. I'm very proud of myself. Because it's the right shape. And then I put it on and then, and then I did it. And Luca was so happy that his toy got the job done. 
Isn't it interesting that a kid, an immature kid, got excited about it, getting the job done? That's often how we are when it comes to what God wants to do in our life. It's an immaturity that allows us to stay where we are just because it'll work for now and you can get a little bit done, but that's just managing where you are. It will not facilitate where you're called to go. And we have people that are settling for just stuff that's not going to get you where God's called you to go. There's, there's mindsets that, you, that you've been working with so far, but, but they've got to change. They've got to change. Romans 12 and verse 2, it says, don't conform to the pattern. In the NIV, put the verse on the screen. In the NIV, it says, don't conform to the pattern of this world. Romans 12, 2. You could change that word, conform. It would work in, 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 in interpreting the word. You could change it to build. Conform, mold, shape, build. Don't build according to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. The word transformed, the interpretation for the word transformed is to renovate. What's a renovation? A renovation is when you pull down what is old and you put up something new. Then he goes on to say, and he says that don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the verse goes on and says, so that you will be able to work out what the will of God is for your life. How many of you have thought before, man, I would love to know what God's plan for my life is. The, the, the plan that God has for your life can only be understood with a mind that's been renewed. But we don't renew our mind. We won't renovate our thinking and establish new mindsets in our life. So we miss the will of God. Because we are have, living with an old mindset. I want to tell some of you what God has for you for 2022 is going to require a new wineskin. Because you cannot put new wine in old wineskin. And God has new wine for you, but you are hanging on to an old wineskin and He will not allow old wine, new wine to get poured into an old wineskin because the wineskin will burst and the wine will be spoiled. It's got to change. Say, it's got to change. What, listen to me, what, what are you working with today that is holding back what God has for you tomorrow, let it go. Let it go. Nehemiah understood this. This is all of this is before the building happens. We haven't he hadn't built nothing yet. Just laid a foundation and just picking his tools. Says to the king, I need these beams, and then the king gives it all to him and sends him out. Then, then we come to one of the most boring chapters in the Bible. I promise you, 
Go home and read Nehemiah chapter three. You'll be bored to tears. I did it for you. You know why it's so boring? Nehemiah goes through the whole chapter and you know what he just talks about? This is my third point that I want you to write down. He talks about people. He talks about people. He talks about people that built with him and the jobs they did. The whole chapter is so boring. Plus, it's hard to even pronounce their names. It makes it even worse. Why can't the Bible names just be like Pete, Ben, Dale? Wouldn't that be easier to read? He goes through and he just says, people, I want to tell you something that is really going to help your life. A great question to ask every relationship that comes into your life. A great question to ask them is this, can I build with you? Don't ask it on a first date because that would be weird. (laughs) But I promise you, you will filter out a lot of deadbeats by asking that one question. Can I build with you? I know you're cute. I know you talk nice. I know you got money. I know you got a nice car. But can I build with you? Because I'm called to build. And if I can't build with you, what I'm going to build may break you and break this. It's not just, I'm not just talking about to young people, people that you date. I'm talking about friendships. Friendships in your life. Listen, the calling of God upon your life is so great. You can only handle for friends to fall in one of two categories. Okay? Understand, right, we're called to reach people and reach lost people as well. We can't live in this Christian bubble. So every friendship that you have in your life, they should fall into one of two categories. People that you are building something in, right? And people that you are building something with. If they don't fall into... One of those categories, it's either people that you're building something in, you're building them up, you're encouraging them, you're telling them God's got a purpose for your life, you're discipling them, you're witnessing to them. Those are people that you're building something in them. But then you have to have people that you're building something with them. You don't have the time. You don't. And and what God has for you is too great to mess around with people that you cannot build with. Nehemiah recognised that. He spent a whole chapter talking about the people that built with. I need people that I can build with. It would, this, this would guard you and protect you. Because some of you are too loose with who you hang with. You too, you too. Eh. You just sort of loosey goosey in anyone that says, hey, you wanna hang out? Yeah, let's hang out. Yeah, let's do, let's have coffee. Oh my God. Why am I doing this voice again? 
But that's what we do. We, we just go around and then, they, and then you have coffee here and hang with this person and that. And, and this person just talking crap and then you get bored and then this person talking this. And, and it's all surface and it's all pretty. And, and it's like, hey, hey, hey. And then we blink and you've missed your destiny and purpose. Because you got distracted spending time with people that you can't build with. That's what you need. You need people that you can build with. But we live in this culture that is so, it's so surface level. Hey, I'm for you. I'm here for you. No, you're not. Don't tell me that. I don't care. I don't listen. I love, I know it's not very pastoral to say, but listen, listen. You can tell. You know when you know people are here for you? The people that are here for you are the ones that when you're down and out and feel like giving up, they won't sit with you in the puddle and talk about how bad life is. They will sit with you for a second, pick you up by the scruff of the neck and remind you that God's got a purpose for your life and you need to get up from where you are and you need to get your butt back to church and you need to get in a small group and you need to start growing and you need to read your Word and you need to believe God. Those are the people that are here for you. It's not the people that are just like, hey, love you, what's up? Love you, love you. Who wants to be a part of a church like that? You know what I want to be part of? I want to be part of a church that if I miss three weeks, when I show up, yes, they welcome me back, but they say, hey, bro, where the heck have you been? Oh, I want to be a part of a small group that, that if I miss small group in a few weeks, some dude's blowing up my phone. Oi, are you serious about this thing or what? Or were you just playing games when you said, Jesus, I wanna be all that God's called me to be because you need to get your butt back to small group and quit hanging out with these other moron deadbeat guys that are not doing anything for your life and they're pulling you down further than you're pulling them up. Get back, that, that, listen. But we don't want it, we don't want, we don't want to talk like that. We don't because listen, listen. Doesn't feel nice, does it? Because some of you need to get your butt into church. And I know you're here today and you'll be here next week because Jensen's here. <laughs> I've seen this, I've, seen, I've been on this merry-go-round many times. <laughs> and we'll be here because Jensen's here. Let's see where you're at that next week when you're stuck with me again. And I'm gonna think of the dumbest, most boring sermon to preach. Because then I find out who's ready to build with me. The ones that'll show up, listen. The ones, the ones that when it comes, listen, and this is gonna sting too, but the ones that when it comes to December 5th and I'm gonna ask for money, I don't care. Don't look at me like I should be ashamed talking about it. Jesus talked about it more than anything else. I need your money. Tweet me on it. Quote me on it. Post 
it. You know why I don't care? Because I understand that what God has called us to do is bigger than where we are right now. And I want people that will gather, that want to build with me. And if I set a big vision, I'll draw big people and the little people can stay home that week because I cannot build with people that don't want to build with me. That's, 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 because you know why, and you know why I get so, so, so bold about it? Because I understand this, that God's kingdom happens through people and it also happens for people. That's, that's what we're called to do. This vision, the next generation, it's about our kids. It's about impacting more people. That's why I'm unashamed about asking for it. It would be different if I'm getting up here saying, I need to raise money because I've got to buy a new car. Don't, I don't want a stinking car. My car's fine. It works. All I care about is it's got a little DVD player in the back to keep my kids quiet. I'm not up here saying, give money so that we can do something that's for us. I'm up here saying, will you build with me so that we can change people's lives? That's, that's what we're called to do. The last word, and I don't have time to go into it, but I want you to write down the word purpose. When the, when the attack came, this moment where the attack, the final attack came before they finished building what they were called to build and the final attack came against Nehemiah. And when that attack came, Nehemiah 6 and verse 3, he says this, he says, I'm doing a great work. They came to him and they said, Nehemiah, come down. Come down off the wall and come, come hang with us. We just want to talk. It was this subtle tactic of the enemy to get him to engage in a conversation that would lead to, their plan was that it would lead to his defeat. But Nehemiah had sense enough to know what they were doing and his response is in verse three. I want you to listen to what he says. He says, I'm doing a great work. Say a great work. Changing people's lives is a great work. Seeing the Kingdom of God in Orange County it's a great work. He says, I'm doing a great work. So I cannot come down to you. He says, why should the work cease while I go and talk to you? This is the problem coming at him. You see what he's doing? The problem's coming at him and he's weighing up the problem that's trying to distract him and the purpose that he has. And he says, eh, no, nah. the purpose is too great. The problems may still be there, but the purpose that God has for you is more important than the problems you face. That's why when the problems of life knock us down, we cannot stay down. You have to get back up. The enemy doesn't win when he knocks you down. He wins if you don't get back up. There is a purpose that God has for your life.
There is a purpose He has for your family. There's a purpose He has for your marriage. There's a purpose He has for your finances, for your business. And there's a purpose that He has for our church. Nehemiah got a victory over the enemy because of what he built. But he was only able to build what he built because of what he was building with. The question that I want us to ask ourselves this week, I'm asking myself, as the year begins to come to a close, what am I working with that's got to change? It's got to change. Because I do believe that what God has for you for 2022 is bigger than what some of you are working with right now. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. To watch our latest message, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. To stay connected, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Free Chapel OC.